Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. It's another intense, you know, week. Last week was Suicide Prevention Week. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and tonight, today, we're going to talk about suicide prevention, we're going to talk about some lived experience, and it is just my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. This is Phil Tyler, Associate Director of Campus Security and Public Safety at Gonzaga University. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. This has been quite the week. I uh, just got back from D.C., and so that was interesting. We uh, brought some advocates uh, in the disability community, some of our employees, uh, over there. And our CEO and them got to talk to all of uh, the folks on Capitol Hill, so like the representatives and uh, senators. And, Outstanding. Yeah, so it was a wild time. And then so I got the, you know, the real fun part. Um, we had a, they call it the NCSE in our world, and it's, yeah, it's the National Council of Employee, uh, Disability Employees, can't actually remember the acronym right now, but we talk about disability issues, and For sure. we meet about four times a year, and, you know, how we're going to move the, the needle forward in the program, but, yeah. I'd I, be interested in hearing more about that. You know, our students uh, on the university just formed their first ever uh, student disabilities club. On really? Gonzaga. Yeah, and, and we uh, specifically made it a point to attend their first meeting because there were things that we didn't know as able-bodied persons uh, that we were missing, particularly as it uh, related to the realm of emergency planning and emergency management. You know, we, we were always sense. thinking yeah. about people could flee from spaces uh -huh. or, uh, you know, run or hide. Uh, but those that couldn't, we really hadn't um, deeply thought about that in our emergency planning. And secondly, um, the ignorance of able-bodied persons, ignorance is not a pejorative, um, but you just don't know what you don't know. Um, no doubt. The majority of our disabled students didn't have a physical disability that we could see. Right. And the so unseen. some of those things, even our uniforms and our presence, caused them to have uh, an adverse reaction. And so we needed to know that um, disabilities just didn't mean what we could see with our eyes. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was really powerful. So this just formed? Yes, just last year. Oh, yeah, we got to get connected, uh, Skillskin, to that because, yeah, we can absolutely be an ally in that absolutely. world and yeah. Yeah, just learn more. But I had a lot of fun, and it was good time, and, yeah, we got back about, I don't know, I got to bed around 1.30 this morning, and it was like, here we go. It was 20 hours awake, and I'm like, everything was so worth it. Just had an awesome time. And now I'm super excited to be here and to, you know, meet you in person. Like, I've seen you around. Like, you, you have... You are involved in lots of different things in Spokane, uh, but I Indeed. never got to meet you, so I'm just so happy you're here today. Yeah, great to meet you, and we met yeah. early in the parking lot, so thank, I you, know. thank you for the app instructions yep, as well. <laughs> for sure, that's what we do, first-class service around here. Yes, sir. Yep. Well, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Phil. Yeah, we want to know more. Wow. So, uh, Phil Tyler, let's see, I, I, I uh, come from a military background. Um, uh, our family collectively have over 180 years of military service. Oh wow! Uh, going back uh, in our history, uh, I was the all Air the branches. Force. Yeah, Air Force, yeah. Army, uh, Navy. Uh, I don't think we have any Coast Guard uh, personnel in our family. No offense to my Coast Guard brothers and sisters, mm. uh, but we have um, Reserve. We have active duty. Uh, my brother 
in-law and my sister just retired from the army uh, as majors. They were in the uh, emergency medical field. Um, my youngest nephew is a uh, first lieutenant in the army now. Myself, I was in the Air Force. Uh, I spent eight years in the United States Air Force as a law enforcement specialist. Uh, were you ever on any of our bases? We're I was. at Maelstrom. I was. At... Uh, we're in uh, Cheyenne at Effie Warren. Okay. And here at Fairchild. Yeah, I was stationed at Fairchild, my last duty station. Nice. Absolutely. And as a dependent a military brat, if oh. you will, I was stationed at Maelstrom. I don't know I want to go back there. Oh. It was pretty cold and windy, as I recall, <laughs> as a young person. It's still cold. <laughs> it's still windy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I spent uh, eight years in the United States Air Force, as I said, as law enforcement specialist. Um, I did various tasks within there. And a law enforcement specialist just means a military police officer on a military installation. And so I did accident investigation, uh, criminal investigations, um, interview interrogation, um, crime prevention. Uh, that's where I first learned my skill set in crime prevention. Um, I was a member of what they called the emergency services team, which is a, the equivalent of a civilian SWAT team okay. um, when I was in their service as well. So um, did tours of duty over in the Republic of South Korea. Uh, I was over at Vandenberg Air Force Base guarding the space shuttle uh, back in the 80s when they had a so space shuttle. you seen uh, a space, space shuttle, shuttle up I did. close and personal? I, I've, touched, I've touched it even what? when you weren't supposed to. <laughs> good for you. I love that. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm more than 10 years past that time, so I can say <laughs> You're this. good. Yes. Um, and then stationed at Fairchild here, uh, Fairchild Air Force Base. Nice. So that, that's how you got to Spokane? Yeah, that's how I got to Spokane. Yeah. Uh, and from there, I, I joined the uh, Spokane County Sheriff's uh, Office. I was a corrections officer uh, at the time when they were combined. Uh, they are no longer combined. They are separated now, separate entities. Uh, but I went from an officer to a sergeant to a lieutenant uh, within that. Spent 16 years there. And then from there, I went to Gonzaga, where I'm currently at. Uh, at the Campus Security and Public Safety. That's awesome. Well, yeah, so you're Spokane's home now. It is. You ain't going anywhere. Indeed. No, I love no, it. That's yeah. good. Well, I, I noticed on your shirt you're wearing, you know, the suicide prevention uh, pin. You know, what, what's that mean to you? Yeah, it, it uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's important that you ask that because I wear it because I want to attract attention uh, and conversations, as tough as, tough as it is, because I wear it because I'm a law survivor. Uh, and what that means to the audience that aren't familiar with the term is that uh, I lost someone uh, close to me to suicide, my son. Um, his name was Devin. Wow. And we lost him November of 2017. And so this month, this week, it's always tough for me uh, because I have these kind of conversations. And it's emotional, um, but it's important to have these conversations. Um, we lost recently a deputy uh, in, in our local area, um, and we still don't talk about it. Right. And when we put I know in this, my family, we sure don't have those conversations. Yeah. That's like you stuff that stuff deep. Yeah. And I grew up in that environment, in, in, in the faith that I grew up in. We didn't talk about those things, right? Uh, or if we talked about them, it was uh, essentially a sin. Um, and, and it really pushes those folks that really need the most help uh, back uh, into the shadows. And so I wear the pin as a talking point. Um, in fact, uh, my director at Gonzaga Campus Security and Public Safety, her name is Becky Wilkie, a wonderful human being. Um, we've been wearing this our entire time. Um, and we really uh, bring out more of these. As a matter of fact, I brought some for the studio. Uh, All right. For your team as well. Uh, to where we have conversation pieces, but we wear them around our campus and wherever we travel to, to have conversations like this. And the last conversation we had was in the airport at Atlanta uh, with an individual who was sitting beside us where we were having lunch. And he came over and, and he talked about it and shared a story about losing uh, someone to suicide and how he struggled with it himself as a person with lived experience. And it was emotional. Wow. I mean, we, we, we were almost in tears and gave big hugs, but it's those kind of things uh, that uh, create awareness. Uh, so that we need to have an invitation to have that conversation. Yes. yes. 
Well, for our listeners, you know, maybe you help us understand why that's so healing. Because uh, I don't know. I have a feeling that a lot of us just kind of avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that is that is a big thing. I, here's what I'd say uh, to that. It's a public health crisis um, in the world. Uh, not simply in the United States. Um, in 2021, the last data that we have, 48,000 uh, individuals lost their lives to suicide. That's those. those uh, That's a big that, number. Right, but the number is exponentially larger than so those that have attempted or who had suicidal ideation. Um, statistically, uh, by the time we finished our time together here, some 40 minutes or, or 50 minutes, five people would have lost their lives in America to suicide, about one every 11 minutes. Um, and when you say those numbers, and when you hear those numbers, it's very devastating. In the career field I have chosen, law enforcement and or our firefighters, um, we're more apt to uh, die by suicide than in an item duty uh, from a criminal or for, from a fire. And that's staggering. We had uh, someone here on the show that was a first responder in the EMT world, and she was saying the same thing. Like, it was the big, dark secret that's starting to, you know, get talked about a lot more. Yeah. But that all that trauma that people are going through, it's like, they they, they just end it. And that's so yeah. sad. It is sad. And, 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 and as a society... Especially people who are caring about us, right? Like, everyone's helping. Yeah. yeah. But people have to know uh, that we care about them. And I think that's the biggest thing with suicide is that um, often it's loneliness that really drives. I mean, there's many things uh, that would move a person toward uh, taking his or her, her or her own life. Um, but we do know that loneliness and, and loneliness is not being out in a space by yourself. Yeah. You could be in a podcast studio with four people, but still feel lonely if you haven't been acknowledged, recognized, uh, spoken to, cared about. And so that's what occurs when people don't talk about these things or if an incident happens and they know it's connected to suicide, they don't talk about it because it's taboo, if you will. Um, so it's, it's really important to, to, to do those things. And I think uh, that we, by wearing this uh, lapel pin, really invite those conversations to let people know that you do matter. And it's important to have those conversations. And even if it's tough for me to have these conversations, I, I, you know, I get emotional now um, talking about it, but I'm not embarrassed anymore like I used to be. I used to have this mindset, this, this nonsensical wear the mask, if you will. Right. Uh, when I projected myself outwardly, it was a smile. It was right. this affable character, relatable Phil Tyler. But inside I was struggling. Right. Inside I, I had that. this. Yeah. Right. And, and, and we do that with suicide and emotion. And to a, to a point where particularly first responders, whether you be a firefighter, a police officer, EMT, corrections, whatever that might be, medical staff, etc., cetera, um, we have to project this image of strength. Right. Lest we yeah. be considered weak. And you and can't look like that. Well, you can, <laughs> because what we are trying to do with awareness is re-signify what it means to be weak. Well, that's culture changing is what it you're is. describing. It is. It's a paradigm it's shift. A, so weak is yeah. no longer an adjective in our world describing someone. Weak is now a, a acronym, W-E-A-K, willing to express adult kindness. And when you are I willing to express, that. yes, thank you. When you are willing to express adult kindness, when you are willing to show emotion, right? Uh, give an active ear to listen to someone, right? Um, even when you hear these myths like, oh, suicide is just an attention-seeking behavior. I would say this from that willing to express adult kindness. Maybe the attention you give that individual can save his or her life. Uh, that resonates a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to break that, you know, that cycle of, you know, you just don't talk about things in our family, you know, with my daughter and, you know, my wife. We're, we're trying to dive deeper, break that cycle. I love and, that. Because I remember, get this, I remember 
I hope my parents aren't listening to this. <laughs> but if you are, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I was probably like 12, 13, something like that. You know, all the hormones are going. And I put a belt around my neck and mm. I was in the closet and I was like, this is it. Man. And I'm so like, glad I, did, I didn't do it. Thank yeah. you. I, I just stopped. But I mean, that was that ideation you were talking about. Yes, and that's just all the hormones and stuff and all the crappy stuff that happens to, yeah. you know, middle schooler and school. Yeah. Um, Layer that with social media now. I exactly. And the ability for someone to really reach out and impact you from a distance with no control or restraint. I hear some of those stories, yeah. you know, from my daughter's friends right now, just, and it blows my mind. So we decided to do something a little different. Like, we're like, hey, let's talk about it. Like, these are hard times in, in your life, but, you know, you, you, it gets better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you get older. Indeed. And, yeah. Resilience is yeah. what we're speaking of in that matter. Yes. But, resilience. You know, you asked the question yeah. of, of Phil Tar. So I lost my son in 2017. That really drove me to ch have that paradigm shift, right? Um, to really get involved in this uh, suicide prevention and awareness world. Uh, and it drove me to, to AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I sit on the board uh, with Washington State presently, and it, it made me get more educated. I was ignorant to really what suicide was. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was a weakness at first. You know, I thought, you know, character flaw. black folk didn't commit suicide. That was a white folk thing. <laughs> that was the ignorance yeah. I had, right? Uh, because that's how, that's how I was raised. Um, but I had to come to realize and get educated that it affects everyone. It's a human right? thing. It affects everyone. Now, different cultures have different uh, impact by it. And, and, and part like you said, of, religions too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, one of the things that, that AFSP and a group called Soul Shop has done is try to break that gatekeeper status of our um, houses of faith, right? Because sometimes, whether you're Catholic, whether you're uh, Muslim, whether you are, are you know, Jewish, whether you are, are Christian, sometimes it's looked at as a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Right? You won't make it to heaven if you take your own life but we know that's just nonsensical right we know there are many examples in the bible in the quran in other um, um uh, books of faith that have great uh, uh examples of those that have either thought about considered uh, uh suicide paul the jailer uh, is a classic tale from the bible where um he had some prisoners in his in his jail that broke out because of an earthquake and he was going to fall on his own sword and then out of the darkness, a voice said, do not harm yourself. We are with you. That's an example yeah, of someone thinking sure about is. that and saying, because we're with you, because we are connected, you don't have to take these actions. Right. So we're trying to break that stigma, that stereotype that faith and, and suicide prevention and awareness can't go hand in hand when in fact they can. Yes. Because we can help people. And that is that's, a protective factor. Yes. One of the protective factors. We always talk about the risk factors to suicide, but we don't often talk about those protective factors. And part of the protective factors is some faith uh, for a few reasons, right? Faith gets you connected to a higher source, whatever that is, yeah, sure. and lets you know your life isn't as big and as daunting as you think it is. Number two, it's a community, yeah. right? Where they drive you to help seeking, to listening, right? Uh, to those kind of things. And, and there's other protective factors, but that's one of them. So we really want to break down that stereotype, that gatekeeper status of uh, even our pastors, our imams, our, our rabbis have to know everything. They don't. They may not even know about suicide, but we can educate them and so that's to, what this, to do that, a warm handoff to the resources out there that can help and be protected. The pros. Absolutely. Yeah. The professionals, yes. Well, thank yes. goodness they exist. So, okay, this is a, is that a national organization with state affiliation then? The AFSB? Yeah. Yeah, that's a state. Uh, uh, we have a state uh, um, chapter, and it's, a, it's part of the national chapter of the AFSB National. What other stuff yeah. that you learned that maybe that our listeners, you know, 
could learn from as well. Well, uh, one of the things I would say is for me, and, and I think uh, for many out there, men in particular, um, is that we have to be able to show empathy. Uh, we don't have to be that stellar. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But but we haven't been uh, acculturated to that. Right. It is. We have to be this rock, this solid yeah. person. This, and, and what we're doing is we're suppressing those emotions inside of us. Um, so I would say what what we're missing is developing those good problem solving skills or those coping skills. Coping um, skills. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, with our youth at the end of a pistol. It doesn't have to be for our older adults at the end of a bottle yeah. or a bottle of pills or whatever it might be. Have some better coping skills. And we need to teach that. We've gone away from those things. Uh, I didn't learn them when I was young. Right. Yeah. And, and the more disconnected, and I say disconnected, uh, meaning we're not doing this face to face. We are on our social media profiles. We're texting instead of calling. Yep. Right. And when I text, I can't hear context and nuance in your voice. I can't hear pauses. I can't hear your voice shake. You're cracking me up right now. I pissed off one of our contracting officer representatives at the Air Force Base today with a text. And I realized, <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So I just called. I was like, hey, we need to have this conversation yeah. with some context. So I get yeah. that. And there's like, a purpose yeah. for technology. We understand totally. that. Um, but, but it's not a replacement absolutely. for yeah. This. And that's, that's the human uh, connection that really creates this loneliness factor. Right? So coping skills, problem-solving skills, really getting together uh, with our community, bring the neighbor back to our neighborhoods, if that makes sense. Yeah, it right. Does. Um, when neighborhoods started to change, right? I'm, I'm gonna get a little bit philosophical here. Please do. And they started I love taking it. off, <laughs> taking out sidewalks, right? I live in an area on the South Field that only one section of our neighborhood has sidewalks on it. And when you remove the sidewalk, it used to be we would sit on our porches, right? And someone would walk by along the sidewalk with a dog or a child, and they'd say, "Hey, how you doing?" When you don't have that. That's that disconnect. And then have. porches disappeared in, in design well. too. Like, yeah, in the late seventies, early eighties, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And now that's a great point. Yeah. And then that yeah, why say, did we do that? Like as a culture, it's like, man, we just designed our know. way out of that's community. That's probably an ordinance uh, issue that the city council will have to deal with <laughs> right. later. But um, I, then I would take it educated yeah. about uh, mental health and suicide because there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of myths out there that keep people stuck or, or in the dark. Um, so education is key out there. And here's the other thing, you know, God bless our clinicians out there that help us get through these things, right? There's no not doubt. enough of them. We know this, but you don't have to be a clinician to help people. Just you can connect, simply right? be connected. You can simply be empathetic. Um, you know, I carry with me uh, every day a QPR card. What's that mean? QPR is question, persuade, uh, and refer, right? And it's a training that you can get for free from various entities out there. One of them is Fail Safe for Life. Sabrina Botava and her team do a wonderful job uh, at providing this training. And, and if we see CPR as the ability to, to restore someone's heartbeat in an emergency medical situation, QPR restores hope for that person who might be in a hopeless state with suicide. Wow. Right? Yeah, how do I don't know about this? Like, yeah, I, there's a lot of listeners, you know, they're running organizations, running nonprofits in, in our world. This seems like a good training for teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Or we're, for your, we're always looking for content. For your right? employers, right? I, I encourage employers out there to bring in organizations like Failsafe, to bring in mental health first aid. Uh, to your we, staff. we did mental health first. Amen. It was transformative. Yeah. It was on the first week of uh, employment at Skillskin. And I'm like, where did I come to work? Because I just, that, that kind of language, that kind of conversation had not been in my world ever. Yeah. And 
come to find out that was kind of like a one-off thing at our world and that wasn't as pervasive okay. as it could be. So yeah. yeah, let's get involved. But we're talking about it now. Yes, we right? are. And this is what good, the Good Gab podcast is yeah. doing. If people hadn't heard about these things, we can express these things. This is what the Suicide Awareness Prevention Month is doing. And this week, obviously, is Suicide Prevention Awareness Week. We can do those kind of things. And one of the things I like to do, and, and, and I'll share this with you, I think, is excuse me from going off the mic there. I like to use this week to do little acts of kindness, right? And, and, and you see on the back of this card, it says humankind. Yeah. And, and, and the, the affirmation is be both, right? <laughs> Human and kind. And so if you can do Sign little things, well, there you go. You have a card. <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you leave from our, from our time together today, maybe you'll go out to, what I like to do is go out to a local coffee shop and I will purchase $50 in coffee and leave this card behind and say, for the next people that can inspire this $50, just tell them they're getting it because we want to do an act of kindness because of this Awareness Month. And, and I'll tell you, it changes conversations. I've, I've done it from Spokane to San Antonio to Austin to D.C. Uh, when I was there at different times uh, during the month of September over the years past, and it has sparked wonderful conversations. Some have been really highly yeah. emotional. I, right? I, like, I have lost someone to suicide, yeah. Phil, and, and this is the first time someone's ever really talked about it uh, with me. Um, so simple things like that we can do uh, to bring awareness to it. So if I go to this website, Fail Safe for Life, what am I going to see there? Yeah, you're going to see uh, <laughs> trainings and resources and abilities to connect with your community uh, out there uh, and opportunities to participate in, in, in campaigns such as this um, that really help bring awareness to it. But if you want to get involved in their QPR training or their um, higher level gatekeeper training, which is a higher level than QPR, you can do that there too. That's been transformative for you, huh? Absolutely. It, yeah. it is. I can see the excitement. In it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it makes me excited. I'm like, I want to be yeah. part of this. The, the, the yeah. unique thing about a loss, a traumatic loss like this, is a couple things can occur, right? PTSD, from For what sure. we, we understand that, or what we call post-traumatic growth. And I think for me, uh, there was post-traumatic growth, right? I had to lose a son at 22, <laughs> To understand that being strong wasn't what he needed, right? Um, I tell people this story all the time. When I lost my son at 22, I could bench press 400 pounds. I could deadlift 500 pounds. I could squat over 500 pounds. But I wasn't strong enough to save a life. Because physical strength has nothing to do with it. Mental strength. The ability to express kindness. The ability to connect with the heart uh, is what it was really needed. Well, you're developing that now, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yeah, I can yeah. feel. I can feel that. Yeah, it took that, fifty years. Yeah, but I'm developing it. Well, and you, well, good. You found it before. You know, you exit this earth, and yes, that's a, that's a kindness. And now you're spreading this to you know many people. That's yeah. a ripple effect. That's that is how we change the world. That is the hope. I know it. That well, is the hope. I believe in you in that way for <laughs> sure, because that's that's the world that I believe in, indeed. Wow. I saw um, the f- a flag of that pin when I was over uh, in D.C. this week. I didn't know what it meant. Oh, wow. So it's like now that this is all coming together. Yeah. And it's going to make me have some conver- conversations. Yeah. You know, and when I see someone like. How would you approach that, actually? Like, let's say our listeners thinking about it. and Maybe yeah. they're a little shy and they're like. They surely but will they be. They see yeah. the pin. Yeah. Like. 
Well, how, would, how would you suggest them to broach that? Yeah. So, so I'm also a certified trainer for a company called Inspiring Comfort. And Inspiring Comfort is a wonderful, wonderful program uh, created by this um, dear friend of mine. Her name is Jen Mar. And hi, Jen. Yes, hi, Jen. <laughs> and Inspiring Comfort helps us to broach those conversations that we are uncomfortable with having. But if we have those conversations, they can change lives. Right. Um, and we call it the awkward zone in our training thing. Right. I know I should say something. I know Phil's had a loss in his life, but I don't know exactly what to say. Here's the thing about comfort. Comfort is not a descriptor. It's an action. And when you don't take action, even if it's a, even if it's a stumbling conversation, I'm left feeling lonely again. Yeah. Right. So even yeah. if I stumble my words, or if I have uh, the improper words to say, it's better than saying nothing. Because I might be walking around, like this month, for instance, so that if I walk around with this and no one says anything, they look and they go, oh, I see that pin, but I don't want to say anything. I'm feeling again alone. And it happens right. for me every September. I mean, and those that are sure. lost survivors as well. But when they say something, hey, can I ask you about your pin? And I tell them my story and they say, I'm so sorry you lost your son. And I say, thank you. Not because I lost my son, because you are helping me heal, right? I can't heal what I don't reveal. And here's the key. Dang, so I like many that. people have hidden yeah. things, yeah. whether it be mental health, suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, or have someone that lost a life due to suicide, and they don't talk about it, and they're hurting. And until they reveal that hurt, we can't help them heal, right? Strip away that mask that we talked about earlier and allow someone to help you heal. So there's a hole in my Human. heart kind be both <laughs> yes so there's a hole in my heart that'll never be sealed because of the loss of my child but what i have is friends like this podcast now that insulate around that hole right that yeah. helps me to heal right even though in, in 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 times where i'm by myself and alone i still feel that pain but when i'm out connecting with folks they build that buffer that 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 comfort around their connection as my good friend leslie would say is protection Right. So it protects that hole from really uh, impacting me when I have that. So conversations like this, uh, conversations out in, uh, in the city uh, that I have around this really help uh, to provide that comfort. Have you been able to translate some of this to the students that you're interacting absolutely. with now? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because those are vulnerable times, too. Yeah, it's like yeah. they're they're away from their family. Mm -hmm. They might that loneliness. Can yes. Yes, and, trying to connect yeah. with your new in-group. Am I? Do I fit in? Do I not fit in? Am I supposed yeah. to do these behaviors because everyone else is doing them? It costs a lot of stress and anxiety. And so one of the things we love about our role on campus is that every touch we have with a student, staff, or faculty is educational. And when they see Phil and, and they walk up and they say, hey, is that a suicide prevention lapel pin? I say yes. And they share a story about a loss in their life or a connection or maybe even a lived experience. And we have these that open, insulation building. conversations, right? And we have wonderful resources on the campus that we can okay. direct them to and refer them to. Uh, again, going back to this QPR, refer them to that can give them guidance. Or I'm just available for a conversation anytime. Or a smile right? when you're driving by. Or a smile when I'm driving by. Absolutely, that can mean a right? Whole lot. Or we sit down for coffee and donuts because I do like those things. It's not a stereotype. Because <laughs> yeah. they're most, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we present an opportunity to be human. Mm. Right. Uh, and we're not just officers on the campus. We're Phil. We're Becky. We are our team out there and we want to engage with students on that level. And it really, you know, everything we do, we embed mental health in it. 
uh, in our contact and connection with our students on campus. And that's important that they know that. It's real security. It's we call it wraparound services in yeah. the social services world, but I'm kind of that's how I'm feeling. It's like you're you're looking at the whole person. Yeah. It's like yeah, we gotta be safe. Yeah, we can't be you know messing around. Here's the but thing. But we can also be supportive. Absolutely. Of the human. We are not simply concerned with their physical safety on campus. We're also concerned with their psychological safety. And sometimes you can't see that unless you're engaging in a conversation, having connection with the student. Is that something that your department is is driving yes. you know, with your boss? Or is that yes. a cult? Okay, so yes. you're building that culture. Gonzaga. Absolutely. Right? I think our our director be... yeah. is, is uniquely situated uh, to make sure uh, that we are driving this connection, both in physical and psychological. When I go out and I train students, staff, or faculty, it's always with, with touch for that. I can tell you this. We have had other Jesuit universities reach out to us for our training methodology. That's all I'm going to say. You're gonna, you haven't gotten the call. You're getting the call soon. Indeed. And to be able to share that to others, that's a culture that that's some, if I hear that kind of stuff, I would be like, hey, I'm cool with sending my daughter to this university. It just, that's the kind of place I would want her and to And we be have in. had parents on opening days express that because we do, we do a, parent, a parent communication session um, one hour each, multiple times, and they have said those things to us on their way out. You have just solidified my decision in this because I know you're going to take care of my son or daughter physically and in their psychological space as well. So you're having fun in this aspect, huh? I think so. I think, yeah. you know, the, the old adage is if you find a job that you do and that you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, you're still working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But, you know, when you have leadership, when you have a broader university yeah. that's really attuned uh, to the needs of those that, that are on their space. It's, it's nice to come to you. Becky. Thank you. If you're watching this ever. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, so uh, anything else that you can share with us, you know, right now that's on your mind, you know, that's that you think the listeners really need to hear. Yeah. I would say make sure they sign up and attend the upcoming out of darkness walk, which is October 15th at riverfront park. Uh, okay, what's that called again? The Out of Darkness Walk. So it's, okay. it's a, a walk sponsored annually by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And it's where we get together. We raise funds, ultimately. Uh, that's the goal. But the goal is also connection. Because when you arrive there and you're with hundreds of other persons that may have a connection to a loss, lived experience, attempt, etc., you feel like now you're in community. You feel yeah. like what you have been dealing with, maybe by yourself, you no longer have to do that. I have met and, and made wonderful relationships and friends, and it's a place for educational resources. Failsafe will be there. Other uh, community uh, spaces from our, our, our teams from our community will be there. You can engage, get education, and be wrapped around in community that you don't have to be alone. It's a great, it's a great walk. It's only a mile. It's not strenuous, <laughs> uh, but you're engaging with others uh, that are in the same space. It's a wonderful, wonderful event. Is that downtown? Downtown Riverfront Park, October 15th. Out of darkness. Out of darkness walk, yes. And they happen across the nation. Well, everyone, you heard that. You want to support. Maybe you have some experience. You're thinking about this. Join, Phil. Join the community. Go check out Out of Darkness Walk on October 15th. Phil, it's so nice to have you here. Just, yeah, we really appreciate your time and... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for spreading awareness in an important time for us. 